Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 101 of the Cloudcast. This week we're coming to you live from Cloud Open and LinuxCon here in New Orleans, and uh, this one's a little different, Brian. Um, we're actually sponsored. What the hell happened? Uh, no, we're almost, we're like semi-professional. We're like in the minor <laughs> leagues now. You're all corporate now. Oh my God. We actually have a little backdrop and an area, and uh, it's, it's, you know, step above a plastic table. And That's right. You know, so we're out of the basement. That's that's the best way to describe it. But but no, seriously, thank you too. We've got uh, two sponsors this week. Um, uh, Open at Citrix and the Linux Foundation were, were both nice enough to uh, give us this space and kind of help us with guests this week. And speaking of which, we've got one really good guest and one okay guest. I'll let you figure out which one they are. Um. <laughs> wow! Well, since you put it that way. Well, so, thank, thank you for saying I'm a great guest. I appreciate that, Aaron. That, and that would be Theron Connery. Theron, thank, thank you for saying I'm a mediocre guest. That's good to know. Yes. So, Theron, you go ahead first. You introduce yourself. Buddy. Oh, okay. Uh, my name's Theron Connery. Um, I'm working with TDS and doing uh, cloud infrastructure design, I think is probably, that sounds appropriate. It's kind of a mess, right? The world's kind of crazy. So <laughs> The world is a mess. Uh, the world is In a mess. In more ways than one. And who, who, who are you? Uh, who the hell am I? I am John Mark Walker. I am the Gluster Community Leader. Uh, I am on Red Hat's payroll to be the Gluster Community Leader, and it's a wonderful, wonderful job. So I noticed that this is the 101st episode, 101, episode mm-hmm. 101. Yep. So does that mean that in the middle of it, it's all going to come to a slow crawl, and like we're not going to be able to actually get to the end and finish because <laughs> traffic is too heavy? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, we'll see. It <laughs> depends on where this goes. This could be a train wreck. But Sorry. they all are. Silicon Valley reference for those of you who are not from there. Just so, be glad. <laughs> so let, let's start off with with some basics here. Now, John Mark, you've been on the show before, actually, as a build a cloud day, round a table kind of thing, right? Yep. That was well over a year ago, I bet. It was uh, one of those build a cloud days. Oh, yeah, it was PuppetCon. Puppet it was Con. over That's a year right, ago. Right? Yeah. So tell everyone who's not familiar with Gluster a little bit about the product, what's going on, maybe any big updates. Kind of give everyone the, the 101. The 101. You on, got it. On Gluster. Gluster 101. So it's been an amazing year. Uh, Gluster for the uninitiated uh, is a community around the distributed file system called GlusterFS. And GlusterFS gives you... Uh, large uh, scale-out uh, possibilities when it comes to storage. And it's, it gives you a single namespace. It's very conducive to cloud-based storage uh, or you know, virtualized storage uh, or if you need you know, storage for uh, whatever you know, hypervisor you happen to be running uh, or for your typical you know, bare metal you know, office environment where you need a, a file server that, that scales out for, to uh, accommodate you know, your, your growing storage. Uh, because everyone knows you know, storage is growing by about... Uh, twofold per year uh, on a year-over-year basis, and it's presenting many, many problems in the data center for you know how people are actually going to cope with this massive growth of, of data. And Gluster is one way to do it. It was built to be to scale out. Uh, there are two central guiding principles. One is built to scale out uh, and and able to increase performance linearly, um, so that you don't lose performance just because you're scaling out. Uh, the second guiding principle was uh, that you should it should look the same regardless of what uh, 
environment you deploy it in, uh, whether you're deploying in the cloud or deploying you know in public cloud or deploying uh, you know in a virtualized environment or in bare metal, you should look the same. Your application should interact with it the same, and no matter what protocol or interface you connect it to, it should be the same data, so that you don't have these siloed data sets. You can actually have you know a unified storage backplane uh, that your applications can interact with. That really is the story of Bluster in a nutshell. Now. Theron, the well, one of the reasons we asked sure. you to come on the show yeah. was so you you've been a Gluster fan for a while now, and I am. Talk a, a, I'm a Gluster groupie, fanboy. Yeah, fanboy. Talk a little bit about kind of the converged aspects of Gluster and and kind of taking Gluster above and beyond just Gluster, right? Yeah, I mean, so for me, Gluster's never been just about like Gluster. I mean, that's it's interesting what it can do and how you can deploy it and things like that, but it's always been really about the story around converged infrastructure or where the industry's going, right? Like, from a storage array, from a storage perspective, I think for me one of the coolest things about, like, going completely off the track of where we're going here, uh, v- VMworld this year, right? Like, coming out of VMworld this year, like, seeing all the vSAN stuff, that was, like, a big exclamation point that converged infrastructure and distributed replicated storage is the right way forward just sort of like as seeing everyone in the industry sort of pushing along that. You have companies like Nutanix, you've got companies like Syncplicity and like all these other people, right, that are doing interesting things around converged infrastructure. And it's sort of highlighting the fact that we've really reached the point where commodity compute hasn't just affected the virtualization layer, it's really affected the storage layer as well, right? To the point where you're getting, I guess, what you call storage washing, where, you know, uh, various uh, vendors that uh, shall remain nameless uh, take their old uh, battered sands and start presenting them as software storage. Look, we have software storage too. And it's, like, everyone's just... everyone's doing it, right? But the, but for me, the really interesting layer is it is software, right? Like it is storage at the software layer that can be deployed across commodity hardware. And for me, the most interesting thing is that you can deploy it alongside the hypervisor. And in systems like with Linux, you can actually deploy it as a layer with the hypervisor, right? So I'm installing KVM on a base, and then I'm deploying Gluster with it. So now I have one plane, one control plane that can be deployed and rolled out with, you know, I can do crazy things with like a Cisco C240, right? Like with a Cisco C240 where I've got a bunch of drives and chassis, and I can do live migration and live hardware failover of replicated storage environments and my virtualization environments. It's pretty, it's nuts, right? We've, we've hit that point where things are getting crazy. It, it gives the DevOps team the ultimate flexibility. It's all about agility and malleability, and you're able to now, you know, as Theron mentioned, you, you can run your, your applications directly on the, the storage device now as opposed to having them be, you know, segmented. Um, and without data silos, it means that you, you have, like, the ultimate say over where your apps run, what they're running, uh, how they're connecting to your uh, to whatever you know, storage you have attached on you know, commodity hardware in a scale-out way, uh, it really gives the uh, the operator and developer the ultimate say in how they construct their uh, their architecture. So, so put put Gluster just in the in the big storage picture for me. So, a um, bunch of folks saying they're doing software defined. You know, like you said, some of it's washed. Some of it is just natively software running on commodity hardware. Some of those guys are doing. Unified protocols, right? So they're doing file and block. Uh, you've got other folks that are doing purely software only and they're object stores. So whether it's Swift or whether it's, you know, Ceph or something like, 
Where does where does Gluster fit in that? So you call it Gluster FS? Is it is it purely file? Is it does does object? Is that naming kind of confusing? Uh, actually, uh, that's a really good point because we started off from the beginning. We treated everything as a file, and everything had you know file based semantics. And then we spent a lot of time getting our POSIX layer uh, up to snuff and perfected, so it could be a really good uh, scale out file and directory server. You know your typical you know office you know uh, file server. Over time, we've built on top of that a layer of object storage, and we actually work with the Swift upstream community uh, in conjunction with them to have a bit more separation between the Swift API and the Swift implementation. So we take the Swift API, uh, the same code that's in the upstream Swift project, and then we, uh, we've implemented a GlusRFS backend of that. Now, you're going to hear a lot of projects, and some of them are commercial and some are actually non-commercial, talk about unified protocols and unified storage backends. As far as I know, we are the only open source project with a truly unified uh, storage backend, meaning that if you connect over the object uh, protocol, the Swift API, or over the you know the POSIX uh, layer like the NFS or with the GlusterFS client, or you know if you if you connect through our client library called LibGF API, which was just released in our uh, most recent uh, version 3.4, whether you're connecting through any of those layers, you're connecting to the same data. Again, there are no data silos. Whereas a lot of implementations, they say that we have you know file block and object. What they really mean is we have a segment that allows you attached to our, our, our block devices. We have a segment that lets you interface with our um, you know, uh, object API, and we have a segment that lets you, you know, mount over NFS, but they're not the same. They're not the same data. Uh, they're, they're, very, they're much siloed, whereas we sort of do away with that. Our, our central point, our guiding principle, again, is to be kind of like a, a generic, unified storage backplane you know, for the cloud, uh, regardless of what application you're running or where it's running. What what that means, like from, I mean, that's that's a lot, right? Like to like parse all of that. <laughs> it, no, it's true. It's like there's yeah. a, there's a lot to it, right? And yeah. you're trying to think about what does that actually mean from an implementation perspective. What that means is if I have a KVM hypervisor for me, again coming from a virtualization background, yeah. like what I'm interested in. If I have a KVM hypervisor, I can do all sorts of crazy things and get at those files that are on disk any way I want. Right. I can get at them via Swift API. I, those actual VMDKs, I can come at it that way. I can come at it through NFS. I can, I can replicate and reach in from a Samba if I want. It doesn't matter, right? Like, I can get at those files on disk no matter how I want and manipulate them, which is important if you're looking at, like, replication services and ways to, like, move things around or how you manipulate that data. It's not locked into a proprietary format, and so you can start leveraging things. Because it sits on disk, you can leverage other things underneath the file system as well, underneath the file, the file layer. Um, different file systems for different types of functionality but basically how that how that data is laid across that really allows for an insane amount of flexibility for how it's used and, there, and for me personally the reason that I got involved with cluster you're kind of talking about it earlier was just simplicity right like I I don't want it to be complex uh, I don't want it to be hard to get stood up I don't want it to be you know hard difficult to configure uh, I'm looking for something that's fast and easy yeah right Fast, cheap, and easy. That's, uh, that's, that's us. No. And Gluster's new marketing campaign is done. <laughs> right here. You heard it here first. Uh, show title right there. That's right. Um. <laughs> Gluster. Gluster. Fast, Moving right along. Cheap and easy. Uh, so, so good. Go ahead. So you got, I mean, you were, we were talking for a second about convergence and, and sort of software-defined storage. Like, how, much, how many new use cases do you see nowadays where it's like, if I can put it anywhere... Like you said, I can put it in the cloud. I can put it in somebody else's cloud. I can replicate. When you start getting into sort of taking advantage of global internet backbone speeds for doing sure. replications, I mean, like, 
how many new kind of cool ideas do you see well now coming up with that you just couldn't do before because it, it was always tied to some big piece of hardware yep. that so, was hard to move so, and out, move around? Yeah, no, no, no. So, like, if you really take a look at, like, all right, so backing backing up a little bit, when VMware or whoever, right, whoever you want to pick, pick a hypervisor, right? When they, like, nailed vMotion or the idea of vMotion, when that was done, that completely upended everything we do in operations. Like, everything we do is in operations groups across every data center everywhere on the planet was completely upended. Um, how I do hardware maintenance. How do I do backup services? How do I do DR? How do I do... All of those things change just came out of basically vMotion. The idea that you can move a VM from a hardware platform to another hardware platform, and you sort of like added that shim, that layer, right? All of those things change. We haven't even started to figure out what we can do differently if we can take that storage and push it up next to the hypervisor, right? Like, so if we start doing like real software-defined storage, like at, next to the hypervisor with it, and can actually have, because we're not even there yet, right? I mean, even Gluster's got a way to go when it comes to things like making Gluster aware of what blocks belong to what VMs. Like, there's things that are in the works, but people are working on things. But imagine when we get to that point, right, where your storage is aware of the VM at the hypervisor layer as well. Right. What kind of things you can do from a global replication perspective, from a from an online perspective. So you're not moving whole VMDKs, you're moving individual VMs or chunks of them yeah. or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, just the state. You know, you just have to move the state around. As long as the state points to the right place, then you know the VM can stay where it is. It's, 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 it's how it's connected. Now, now you talked about the operations. So talk for one second because you've dealt with it for a while now. You know. If, for people that have bought storage in big boxes that went with the hardware, I mean, there was there sure. was some operational stuff, just basic things, the light on a failed disk, pulling things out. Like, how, how far advanced is it when you are writing software that doesn't necessarily know what the hardware is? I mean, it's got a maybe a, a hardware list, but sure. Mm. I mean, it's it's always comes back to disk, changes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot actually. So I, yes and no. I mean. Everything comes back to hardware, right? So, like, if you have spinning tin, you have spinning tin, right? At the end of the day, when a hard drive fails, you have to know where it is and you have to be able to identify it and replace it, right? right. So, from that layer, Gluster can be as involved or as uninvolved as it needs to be at the file system layer, yeah. right? Like, you can do a what Gluster calls a brick. You can map that to a single actual physical drive so that you know when something fails. Right. Or you could... You know, there's different configurations for right. different diff- right. different tricks for different folks. I'm for I'm some. But, yeah, if, but if, for example, if one drive dies and you said the data is basically available through an API, it doesn't it doesn't screw up files. No, 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 like no, no, no. It's all that data is still protected across other bricks, across other nodes. Okay. Right. Yeah, the replication. Oh, that's another actually key point. The replication distribution. Uh, trend, everything in, in GlustrFS is implemented through user space translators, uh, and so the translators that do. Um, uh, replication and distribution across volume or across different machines, uh, those are all implemented regardless of how you're uh, 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 accessing the data. And this is actually another key differentiating point. There are other you know systems out there. I, I won't name names, but uh, they do have you know multiple access points, access paths, file, block, and object. But they have to re-implement the uh, the ability to replicate and distribute data for each of those access points. Whereas with GlustrFS, at the end of the day, it's all files. And it all comes back to the file replication, the file distribution, uh, no matter what access point you use. And I think that's a really important point. Again, that comes back to the idea that your application behaves the same no matter how it's accessing the data. Um, and the data underneath behaves the same. So it's, it's about you know data availability and consistency. Um, now, so help me out with one other thing. There's Red Hat Storage Server. Mm-hmm. But Red Hat Storage Server isn't just 
like packaged Gluster FS? Is it is Red Hat Storage Server a combination of some other things as well? Because I, I know there was an announcement earlier this week, and it looked like it was RHEL plus Gluster plus Over plus. So I, I, as the Gluster community leader, I have very, very little to do with that. Uh-huh. However, I, I can tell you that uh, it, it is GlusterFS packaged with uh, RHEL and, and used as a, um, and RHEL becomes sort of like the, the platform of delivery for, for GlusterFS. Gotcha. Uh, and so I think... Um, so it's more for like existing RHEL customers who are like, hey, I want that. It is well, right? You can go either way. If you're okay. an existing RHEL customer or if you are if you just want to buy some storage and, and we'll include rel with it there's a lot of value add from like for for red hat customers there's a lot of value add for like buying known good configurations mm-hmm. <laughs> right like right like if you're if imagine works, that yeah. right like i mean there's in you know citrix sees the same play right? right everyone sees the same stuff the difference i think that we also i actually wrote something about this a while ago there's a really big difference between open source projects and products right right and it's really important that as we start pushing these things that people sort of clearly identify and i and understand the, the key differences so if i'm deploying gluster fs like and i can support it I, it's cool right it's a project anyone can get it anyone can get at it it's and it open source heck other companies could bundle it up and resell it too i mean legitimately um i'm sure other companies do right um but if i want to buy support or i need you know technical resources or technical help you you really need to go buy something from someone to get that be it whether it's mm-hmm. citrix cloud stack or it's um you know uh you know red hat enterprise storage or it's you know i'm trying to think of other right. other products it doesn't matter right at this yeah, point it doesn't matter whatever it is mm-hmm. uh there's there's a really key difference between the project itself and right. the product and i think that a lot of customers get a lot of value out of that sort of hardened product because yep. it's trickle down right it's not like bleeding edge I've downloaded the latest code release right. it's right. it's yeah, I've, yeah. Red Hat Engineering has pulled it in they've right. hardened it they've pulled things together and they've bundled it up and released it in such a way that it can be supported by Red Hat right I mean that's yep. there's value to that and, and because sure. it's early days yet in this great converged cloud that we keep talking about there's a lot of confusion about how to actually deploy it how to make use of it mm-hmm. and how to actually create solutions based on it and so it's good to have some guidance uh, starting out so that people actually know what it's good for and what it's not good for because we're still at a point where it's not you know something you use for everything um, there are definitely uh, there are definitely use cases that are better than others <clears throat> well and it's a little I don't want to say it's weird but it is you know, you've got people who will say, I could deploy it simply as an object store and with nothing else, right? It's just, it's sure. just application directly to that. You've got other people who are saying, like you said, uh, I deploy it with OpenStack, with CloudStack, with something else. And sure. so now you've got to have much more of an architectural sense of what's going on. Sure. Like, what is the, what's the community look like? I mean, if you if you were to say, like, storage guys or or application fo- like what what's that mix look like sure it's one of the, there are two things in the Gluster community that I'm very excited about one is the actual speed of technology development you know we have uh, with 3.4 that was released in July we have a really good uh, KVM integration story so now you can deploy um, uh, virtual machine images directly on Gluster volume through our client library which was just released um, so that, that's on a technology level the other thing that gets me excited is the actual growth of the community and what we've done uh, since the uh, Gluster acquisition to make it more open, more transparent, and to actually uh, be more inclusive. Uh, and now we, we hit a major milestone with 3.4 in that the central defining feature, which is the QMU KVM integration, was contributed by uh, engineers working at IBM. So that, that to me, that's like a major milestone that says that we're doing the right thing because we now have a, a very good uh, reference point where we 
revenue point to and say, yes, we were now getting much more outside contribution. Whereas before, maybe 99% of the code was written by Red Hat engineers. Now we're back. To, now we're down to maybe 90%, which is still higher than I want, but it's going in the right direction, and right. it's certainly uh, much better than it used to be. And to that end, you know, we are. Um, we are codifying sort of the governance to make it possible for other organizations to participate and to declare their uh, their, their uh, intent to participate. And so we created this letter of intent that companies and organizations can sign to join the cluster community in an open governance model, and they can have a representative assigned to the community board. Uh, and right now there are there are seven, the magnificent seven. There's um, uh, there's Red Hat, there's Intel, there's Hortonworks, uh, there's the Open Source Lab in Oregon State, there's NTTPC. Uh, there is a data lab, a, a startup out of Spain, uh, and there's one other that I'm forgetting, which I'm sure I'll remember afterwards. But <laughs> I'm going to drop an announcement right here, right now. Uh-oh, here we go. We're making an announcement this week that two more organizations have signed up to join the Gluster community. Those organizations are uh, the, uh, 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 the, um, the, the, um, the Faculty of Arts and Sciences uh, uh, Research Computing Group at Harvard is joining uh, the Gluster community, and... Citrix is joining the Buster community. They have signed a letter of intent, uh, and so it's, I've been looking very forward to having uh, Mark Hinkle be on my on my board. It's a nice. very exciting days. So yes, Mark's on our board too. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The so Cloudcast board, we've yeah. got that in common. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We can trade. get a letter of intent from the Cloudcast. We can. We can. We can. We can <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we'd get kicked out pretty quick. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about because um, we talked earlier a little bit about OpenStack involvement and integrations. Um, sure. Because that has seen a pretty significant. We were unfortunately in. late to the OpenStack party. Uh, and let you know other projects kind of take more initiative than we did. However, I'm very happy to say that at this point, with the release of 3.4, and as of the Grizzly, and, and especially with Havana coming up, uh, we have integrations with every uh, storage interface that OpenStack has, from the center interface to um, to uh, the Swift interface, which we have, which we've done in collaboration with the Swift project to uh, Glance. We, there is a Gluster story there. Now, some of that needs to be improved. Uh, for example, with Glance, there's still some work we need to do integration-wise to make it uh, easier so you don't have to copy images to deploy them. Um, but that's coming. Um, and then the other thing that we've done that's going to Havana is we did a Nova integration so that Nova can also take advantage of the QMU integration and the, uh, and the, and the GlusterFS client library, libgf API, so you can get uh, better performance uh, for your virtual machine images uh, on, on, on Gluster uh, volumes. So we have an integration story, and a year ago I would not have been able to say that, and so I'm, I'm very happy with the, the speed and how much progress we've made uh, in, that, in the last year. It's been uh, pretty remarkable. And I have to thank a lot of people in the OpenStack community uh, for helping us with that. They've been uh, essential in helping to build out these interfaces and these, these integration points. And I would, I would love to be able to say, you know, in a year from now, I'd love to be able to say that about CloudStack as well, to be perfectly honest with you. I would love to have, you know, better CloudStack integration. Um, it's, it's something that uh, is top of mind now that we've got most of the OpenStack integration out of the way. Um, one other thing I want to point out, getting back to the community governance model that we've chosen where you know, companies join, they sign letters of intent, you know, our board consists of both representatives of these organizations as well as individual community members uh, who have been serving the Gluster community for a long time. And um, I'm actually going to nominate Theron this week to, to serve on the board. We'll, uh, it has to go for a board vote, but we'll see how that works. They have um, no idea what they're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that, uh, 
we have, you know, we're no longer just about a single project. There's GlusterFest, which is the central project of the Gluster community, but there are more now. There's the, the Swift integration project. There's this um, MapReduce project called PMUX that actually works with uh, the extended attributes that GlusterFest uses mm-hmm. to do this, like, these MapReduce operations. They actually have a log viewer uh, running on top of GlusterFest uh, to do, and they do, like, they and basically they do a grep throughout the uh, entire um, distributed uh, volume and they, if you need to search for something or do some, any sort of MapReduce job, and it's a, it's a smaller scale than Hadoop, but the fact that you can do this using you know, Gluster's architecture, which you can't do with anyone else, uh, is pretty amazing to me. And so in that respect, we have all these projects that are incubating on the Forge, forge.gluster.org, uh, and we're looking to eventually graduate them to mainline status and create a Gluster distribution. And we're still not sure how that Gluster distribution is going to look like, um, but it's going to consist of multiple projects, and that's really the way forward. We're looking at the whole ecosystem, and with GlusterFS as the central point of that ecosystem, the center of gravity. Because we noticed that about a year ago, we saw all these projects and all these developers uh, building stuff related to Gluster, but there was no way, there's no one-stop shop for everyone to build and deploy and, and use. And that's what we created uh, forge.gluster.org for, so that developers can come by and create things, so that users can add to what they already have, and it just makes for a better, you know, cohesive story to sort of talk about the entire solution as opposed to just one piece of it. I think that actually goes back to what you were saying earlier, right, about the idea of convergence. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It, it, it feels like, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it almost, I mean, so we talk about hardware and software convergence yeah. or decoupling. Are we getting towards sort of a storage operating system, if you will, where it's it's every every API, every way to get to it, every file system? I mean, is that is that where it has to go, or is it okay to keep having these? I think we're going to a I just no. See, I disagree, right? Yeah? So, I mean, okay, you're off the board. I agree with the idea. Like, I, that's it. You're no longer on the board. <laughs> go away. You're done. No, like, I mean, I, I I agree with some of the premise of it, but I think that it's different. Like, I think it's actually the storage hypervisor. Okay. Right. Like, it's the idea of it's what you've what you're describing out as a separate framework or a separate reference implementation that allows for all this stuff to get done. And there are plugins into it and things that ways that you can connect to it. Just like we see with the idea of a virtualization hypervisor for the compute layer. We're going to see something similar and it's coming out. It could be a distribution. Sure. It could be something that sits alongside the compute hypervisor, right? It can be something that's there where all of that stuff kind of comes together and blends together, cloud distribution, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is you have these different entry points and different connect points that as long as they're communicating with each other and as long as they have that interoperability, you really reach that point where it's things get really terribly interesting. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I like the, about Cluster is that it's easy to drop in new projects. Like you mentioned in the Forge, the thing about the Forge is it reminds me of some of the early VMTN days, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, like, the Gluster Forge is, like, you have this ability to interact with the community and, like, come up with, like, crazy off-the-wall off the stuff. Crazy. Crazy. And there's some crazy stuff on the Forge, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, uh, but the, you, can, you can do that, and it's fine, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you can contribute and build projects and do interesting things, and it really has that feel of, like... It's not the Wild West, but it has that feel of, like, I, I can get involved and I can make a difference tomorrow, like, now. There's no barrier to entry. You can get in today. So you can say, you can sort of sandbox, play around with it, yeah. get familiar with it, and yeah. jump in as much. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. We're good. I think we're, I think we're sort of getting to that point yeah, where uh, absolutely. these guys got some things to do. Um, we've got a whole bunch of guests coming up um yep. so you want to take us home yeah absolutely home? so before we go uh we need to once again thank our sponsors so oh, oh, 
Um, oh, what, what? Thursday, Thursday, September okay. 19th, the Gloucester Community Day here at Linux Con. <laughs> be there we or be square. <laughs> there you go. Yes, absolutely. And All if right. you're listening to this podcast, like after that, you missed it. Sorry. <laughs> Either you missed way. a great event. It was, it was oh. fantastic. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> All right. So sponsors are Open at Citrix, which is open.citrix.com, and the Linux Foundation, linuxfoundation.org. Uh, thank you very much to both of them. I forgot the Linux Foundation, another member of the Gloucester community. I totally forgot that. I, they're totally going to kill me. You are, I, you are messing I, up, I am, ba- I am yeah, bad. I am just, a bad, out, man. I'm a bad board, board uh, leader, right. yes. So, so guys, um, where can everyone go to find out? More about Gluster and everything. Seth.com, right? Is that where they go? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Gluster.org. Uh, check Gluster. out the forge. Forge.gluster.org. Yes. Forge. Yes. Right. All right. That's Very a good cool. One. Yeah. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>